Hello, and welcome to part two of our two-part series with Michael Dealey, a veteran of ALS, who is here to talk about his life story, well, part of his life, and uh, his upcoming events and his, all the things he's done since he was diagnosed with ALS. Again, my name is Tony Heil. I'm the Communication and Public Policy Director here with the Greater Philadelphia Chapter uh, at the ALS Association. If you're listening, uh, this is your first time listening, please make sure to go to part one. There wasn't a cliffhanger of any kind. Uh, we didn't, like, ask who shot Mr. Burns and, or <laughs> who shot JR or why is every cliffhanger about someone getting shot. I don't know. <laughs> um, but we, there's a lot of good information there about with Mike about uh, being a veteran with ALS and the services um, and the programs that exist because of that and the things he's been doing. And now we're going to be talking about what's happening next. Before we go into that, I want to make sure you go to our website, www.alsphiladelphia.org, and follow us on every social media channel, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Snapchat, all at ALS Philadelphia. Share your comments, let us know what you'd like to see, and uh, help us continue to raise awareness and money to fight ALS. So, fighting ALS, just doing things and being active is part of Mike Dealey's life. He is one of the most active people I know, and I know a lot of people. So, Mike, we're going to talk today in this podcast about your advocacy efforts and about your upcoming rugby event. So, mm-hmm. briefly on advocacy, because we can get so we can toss that out of the way. Um, yeah, yeah. You came with us to Washington D.C. You came with us to Harrisburg. You've done some things locally, even on top of that. How were you received when you went to tell your ALS story to people like uh, Congressman Smucker and others? Yeah, a- absolutely wonderful. Um, you know. Going to the advocacy, and for people that are not quite sure what advocacy is, is that we are literally going to your uh, congressmen and your senators' offices, uh, meeting with their staff or sometimes themselves. And, you know, you learn a couple things is that, one, staff is just important as the actual people themselves. And let's all face it, when people get really busy, it's probably that person who whispers stuff in their ear. Right. Maybe more valuable sometimes. But more important, you really start getting a good appreciation for what our people in Washington and Harrisburg for our state are actually doing. You know, they're not all horrible people that we see in the news. Um, These are people that have a true calling and they're really trying to do something good. So, you know, when you get their attention, when you have that opportunity to sit and talk to them, um, the reception's wonderful. Um, The eye contact, the way they hold themselves, the way they conduct themselves in the meeting, you know you're not speaking to a blank wall. Right. Um, you know, they, they are absorbing that. And, you know, it's really pretty much a softball when you're the person who's a patient. Uh, you know, it kind of stops traffic, and it gives you that opportunity for them to listen a little bit harder. But uh, the, the reception was wonderful. And, uh, you know, for those who do not know what that is, that these are the efforts that are put together on a national and a state level to go ahead and ensure that we keep our uh, needs in focus. Um, so, you know, this year was, you know, funding on both sides but you know it's it's also for things like uh medicare and medicaid reform to make sure that uh specialized equipment is not obstructed uh for people that need it or um maybe taking away that six-month waiting period for social security disability to help people go um you know so it's pretty important um probably the thing and it was part of what i expressed to people is that it was my first chance to hang out with other people with ALS in a large-scale group. Um, my impression of it was we all have a commonality of it's this race where we're trying to do as much as we can, as fast as we can, with whatever resources we have available. So when you start looking at 
getting these types of resources and not having obstructions, that's where it really becomes important because the further you're along you are in this race, the quicker everything moves. And, you know, you want to make sure people go ahead and get what they need so they can be as proficient as they can so they can live as much life as possible. And, uh, you know, that is with funding, that's with reform, um, you know, and that's with the awareness to it that just make sure, again, people get it without having to be too many stumbling blocks, you know, because honestly, you take something like an electric wheelchair is that think about if it takes you six months to get one, you still get it. They right. still spent the money on it, but now you just had six months that were obstructed. And you have other health issues that arise from not having it. Yeah. So it's not like right. you're just sitting around like, I would love to have a new TV. Yep. That's the thing you need. And I think that's where, you know, advocacy, you know, the staff and the members, uh, you know, they, they, they heard that. They saw that and they said, yeah, that just doesn't make sense. Right. You know. And, uh, and they wouldn't realize it didn't make sense if they didn't hear from somebody like you or the others. Because yep. why would you be thinking about it unless you had a constituent or a person with ALS that came to talk about it? Yeah. And face to face, there's no, um, you know, there's no replacement for that. Um, let's face it, uh, these guys are busy, guys guys and girls that are, uh, you know, representing us in government, state and federal. They're busy, busy people. They have thousands of pages of information that are floated, you know, in front of them and in front of their staff every day. So we're all guilty of this when we have large stacks of things that we skim. Right. You know, and, and we do. You know, you, you humanly can't sit there and read everything to a deep intense purpose so they take the time to go ahead and have that face to face it's really it's a five minute meeting is worth two thousand pages of reading yeah you know well i think the most important thing about what you were saying is to make sure that people with als feel comfortable going to talk to people um not just people with als but family members friends that you get a good response from being an advocate so if you're listening and you'd like to be involved in advocacy, um, email me, Tony, T-O-N-Y, at ALSPhiladelphia.org, and maybe we'll have you talk to Mike about how you can share your story, because it's all about story, hope, and plan. Yeah. That's why I tell people. And there's, uh, I mean, we had great information, which I'm sure you could pass on from both the state advocacy and the federal advocacy that outline the programs and the things that we were trying to go ahead and promote. Right. You no one has to do it in the dark. Yeah, and it's, it's as simple as... Uh, I have it slated for this week or next week is that, you know, I'm taking the drive around on a nice day and I'm going to my local representatives and senators' offices that are in my area for both state and federal and doing another drop by and say, hey, I talked to you a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. you know, and bring the paperwork by just to remind them and refresh them. And, um, you know, I've heard it firsthand from all of them. They love it when their constituents stop into their office. Yeah. That's what they're Especially there for. Especially when you're nice. Yeah. It's that, a good thing that you're a nice person. Yeah. And that's the big thing with advocacy, too, is be nice. Right. You know, be nice. And it's like, they appreciate that. They appreciate... That is why they have an office. Mm-hmm. Um, let's face it. Do they really need an office in your local town? No. They can work out of their house. Right. Well... But they have that office so people yeah. can stop by. Right. That's the point. Um, they work for us, right? the public can go ahead and come in and express themselves. Now... Um, that's a that's a really important thing to do. Sharing your story is important with any kind of event or any kind of thing to help a fund get funding or raise money in general. And you have been doing a lot of events. You have your own coming up, but mm-hmm. also you, you and your family and friends have been involved in the Walk to Defeat ALS already, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. In Hershey. And the, you just had some family members that were doing the Ride to Defeat ALS going into Wildwood, I saw you. Yep, yep. 
We had um, a couple weeks ago. We had the Hershey Walk. Um, I was able, not able to attend. I was uh, booked out of town, but my fiance Tima Good and my little sister Christine uh, uh, Donnelly, Donnelly Dealey or Dealey Donnelly. You're, you're, you know your name's better than I do. <laughs> Our last name's Dealey, but it's Donnelly now. I think she hyphenates it. Before we go too far. Until I met you, I use the word dealy so often because of the Simpsons. <laughs> so, like, if someone said, what is this? I'm like, it's some kind of dealy. I don't know. <laughs> so now it just that's totally awesome. ruins and I, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. changes my wording. That's awesome. But um, they raised, uh, wow, well over $500. I think they were up around the $800 mark mm-hmm. um, from their walk. And they had a great time out there. That was the first family's experience with that. The second one was, and I'm extremely proud of my, my daughter, Nicole Dealey, and um, you know her mother, uh, Sonia Williams, who was my ex-wife. Um, they both had decided kind of simultaneously they wanted to get into a new exercise and a new program. And they had decided to go ahead and ride bikes and start that. And uh, this all kind of fell together with my diagnosis, and they immediately signed up. And they challenged themselves to do 50 miles. Um, pretty good for beginner bike riders yeah. that really don't do it. And uh, they just had that this last weekend, and it was awesome. They raised, I think they're, they're up around 1000 um, bucks for that. And, you know, that brings up a real important thing. And one of the things I learned during the uh, advocacy for the state of Pennsylvania was, you know, the budget that's given by the government to the ALS Association, particularly the local chapter here through the state, is really not a lot. And, you know, a lot of this is the funding is raised by these fundraisers, you know, by these walks, by these races. Um, you know, they are important. So, you know, when people, when you see that post on Facebook or that email from somebody in your neighborhood that's doing that kind of stuff, your $50 is truly doing a tremendous job, you know, for the local or national chapters. Um, but, you know, so it's kind of cool that, you know, we got two events off uh, right away and we have a third one coming in August. Well, and that's the main reason we're talking today. You, first of all, a lot of people are amazing for doing one event and we would love people to do as much as you do, but you're doing, uh, you and your family are looking for every way to get involved. And we really appreciate that. Especially, it was really nice seeing seeing you at the ride. Mm-hmm. Was at the wet, I was so worried because it was raining on our way in. The weather was perfect for what we needed. Um, but your big thing is rugby. Yeah. And we were just talking about this before we got on the podcast. So, have you been involved with rugby for a long time? Um, for for quite a few years now. Um, you know, I started playing later in life in my early thirties. Um, but you know, been involved in the community for quite a while. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting community, and I'd say more than a community, it's a family. And it's very unique, um, and it's very transparent. No matter where you go, if you're around somebody that's part of a rugby community, you're one of their friends. And, you know, that uh, doesn't just extend around the local area. It it doesn't just extend across the country. It's really around the world. You know, you can sit anywhere and have a beer someplace and start talking rugby with somebody, and if your players. You're just part of a community right there. Yeah, so um, you've been – and where is your your rugby group? Well, our club is really right around this area. We're kind of on the outskirts of it. We're in the uh, Lancaster-York area. We're Roses Rugby. Um, we play in – Why is it called the, Roses Rugby? Um, because it was White Rose of York and Red Rose of Lancaster. Okay. And we actually – there were two separate clubs, and we joined clubs uh, back in the 80s and formed one club. So it's Roses Rugby now, and we play in a division that focuses toward the Philadelphia area here. So we have Brandywine, uh, Doylestown, Wilmington, 
uh, Philly White Marsh, and uh, you know, we start our schedule here, and we gradually branch out until it reaches uh, you know playoffs and up and down the East Coast, and then a national championship. And Brandywine is how you got in touch with our friend Dom Bartone, mm-hmm. who's been helping ALS for yeah. so long. Dom Dom has gone ahead, and he had the initial event. It's been going on for 15 years now. We just had that. Uh, 15-year anniversary a couple weeks ago was actually the last game I had an opportunity to participate in. I, I got out and, uh, I guess say, hobbled myself around for five to ten minutes. Um, but Dom uh, has had an, has had events going for the last 15 years in uh, for his brother, Mike Bartone, who passed away, I believe, in 2002. Um, they have a dinner and a gala. They have a golf tournament, and they have a rugby tournament. Um, you know, they've... Through the last 15 years, it's something like a half million dollars have been raised. Yeah, that some has been given to the AOS Association, some goes to sponsor uh, scholarships for the Thaddeus Stevens School of Technology in Lancaster, and uh, they support a variety of other things. Um, but it's just a great example of rugby, the family, and the commitment. One of the things that Dom is really proud of is the fact that the people that are playing in the tournament right now, and like this year, we had an old boys game which was guys my age and my friends that I played with for years against the Brandywine Old Boys. They had a regular men's game, which is the competitive all-open, the team right. that's playing right now, and then a women's game. Is that the people that are playing on the regular men's team have obviously, uh, you know, they were they were in grade school when Mike Bartone was playing. And they don't know him. Right. They've never met him. Um, but it is part of a family and a commitment with Brandywine Rugby. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I don't see that really ever fading. Uh, you know, there it's uh, it's a brotherhood that just doesn't die, uh, and it's been going strong for 15 years, and I think it's going to be going for a long time. Um, and it's it was a pleasure to go ahead and play in it. I, I played, I think, five years ago on the 10 year anniversary. I actually played in that tournament also. Wow, what a coincidence! You know, that was before uh, I I was obviously diagnosed and. Really, it was kind of uh, out of sight, out of mind. I just knew I was going to a rugby tournament, and it was supporting And that was one of the earlier somebody. rugby things you had done, I assume. Uh, no, I was, I was still... I was already playing for a bunch of years. Okay, well, yeah. only because you said you got into some of the things later. Yeah. Uh, but so now you're doing your own event, and mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about when it is and how people get involved and what, what you're going to be doing? Sure. So with our home club, Roses Rugby, um, we are having a golf event that's going to be August 19th at Highlands Adonical Golf Course. It's in Mount Joy, Pennsylvania, right around the Lancaster area. Mount Joy is beautiful. Yeah, it I is. I knew somebody with ALS from Mount Joy. And yeah, great area out there. And, um, you know, we're going ahead and focusing on using our event as a template. And what, we, what we've had commitment with the club is that we want to donate a proceeds of some of the proceeds, a portion of the proceeds toward the Greater Philadelphia Chapter, and, you know, help support the cause uh, in the fight against ALS. Um, you know, and have a wonderful event and get more people involved, raise more awareness, and just have something positive. But on a bigger side, uh, you know, I've been, I took this and I said, a couple of years, last year we did the same event. It was before I was diagnosed. And we had a substantial amount of profit off yeah. of it. But we realized it's like the people that were involved were only the people in the rugby community that were already on the team or already had played for our team or they were already our sponsors. And we knew we have always been a community-minded club. Um, we partnered with multiple charities in the local you know, area. And we said, you know what, we got to expand this event. we got to get more people involved, get more people in the Lancaster community and the surrounding communities involved in this event. 
And we said, you know what, next year we're going to partner with a charity and, you know, do exactly what we're doing. We're going to share some of the proceeds. And lo and behold, I was diagnosed, and I'm still running the golf event, so I picked the charity. Well, I think everyone is probably okay with yeah, that. Yeah, they were good, they were good with that. Yeah. But the, the idea that hit me, though, was, you know, the rugby community between Mike's, you know, the, the event for Mike Bartone, between this event, it's such a family, it's such a community. I'm like, wow, this is something that can go ahead and be spread. Um, this is something that we could work with as a template. So I started initial discussions with USA Rugby and said, guys, you know, how can we cannot, How can we do this where it was like we propose this to the thousands of clubs across the country and say, look, guys, you know, you're doing your fundraisers and, you know, you're doing it and it's pretty much the same guys that are already paying dues or paying for your fundraisers. Mm-hmm. How do you go ahead and increase your exposure, increase the exposure of the rugby community? how they are, how giving they are, what kind of guys that guys and girls they right. truly are and what kind of family it is. And that is get involved, you know, adopt something. And I'm proposing the ALS Association and the fight against ALS on a national level to spread it out as a program, you know, and have this with the thousands of clubs across the country. Anything from, you know, hey, we're going to sell it, we're going to have an event, we're going to donate $500 to we'll do 20 or 50% of our proceeds. Right. You know, but kind of making this the adopted event. Or if people are in Ohio or in Arizona, they know, like, oh, rugby, they're the thing that's involved with ALS. And and it brings the attention. It takes our community and brings the attention of ALS, which does have a high propensity toward veterans and concussion-related sports. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's been growing more and more where they're starting to see it with football players and rugby players. Um, I can't say it's definitively gone that way, but it seems very peculiar. You know, but allow our sport to go ahead and see more of the side of the ALS Association and allow people in the ALS Association and the surrounding area who go ahead and support and sponsor that to see how great of a sport rugby is and how we stick together as a family. Um, so we're using our event as a template. Are you um, starting to tackle ALS? Yeah, well, we have um, rugbysmashals.org, and we will have some things out there. Hopefully within the next couple of days we will have a video um, that will kind of be a little bit of self-explanatory and a little bit of fun, and we're going to go ahead and spread that around the rugby community and put a challenge out, uh, but hopefully it's going to be entertaining for a lot of people. And we're going to share that as well from the chapter, let people know about yeah, it. Absolutely. So, you know, our event, uh, like I said, it's the template event on August 19th at Highlands and Donegal, and you can find information at the rugbysmashals.org uh, about the event, to be a sponsor or to go ahead and play in the event. There's plenty of spots still open for both. Um, but we're hoping to make this a template. We're hoping to work with USA Rugby, have a good positive impact, and offer this. Uh, my goal is is that when I start hearing about teams in Oregon or California or Palo Alto and things like that going ahead and taking their fundraising event that might be an annual or biannual event and partnering with a local ALS association, uh, we know we did something positive. Well, you're doing a lot positive. Um, again, if you haven't listened, check out part one to hear more of Mike's story. Um, we're going to have to get going now for a podcast now for part two, but, uh, listen more, um, go to rugby get involved. There's a lot of really cool things that Mike is doing at the rugby community and the veteran community and find out more about how you can get involved. Also, you can go to our website to see, uh, other things that are going on with the ALS association at alsphiladelphia.org and follow on social media all at ALS Philadelphia. Thanks, Mike, for all you're doing. We appreciate it. And we're going to keep uh, following up and let people know how they can help you. Cool. Thank you.